Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Strange Talk with Doc. Let's just spend a couple of minutes before we get into the normal show on why you do not heal from running away from issues. Now, this is metaphorically, figuratively. Running is great for the body. It's great for losing weight. It's great for getting in shape. It's great for blood flow. But it is not great for repairing core issues. It is not uh, great for confronting problems. It is not great for making you think that running will make anything disappear. Running involves fear. Then you got to figure out where did you learn this fear from? It is a behavior pattern, your coping mechanism. Uh, you unsatisfied, you're trapped, you feel powerless, you feel damaged. Running away cannot solve your problems. You will never heal at all by not facing your problems. You have a toothache, you need a dentist. You can't see, you need an eye doctor. You are physically ill, you may need to go to a regular doctor. You might need to get a procedure done to fix you. So do not think for any way, shape, or form that just running away or burying something will make it go away. We as men, especially men, women seem to handle this issue totally different. They face things like this head on. They face things like this with their children head on. They face it with their parents head on. Men like to bury their head in the sand and say that pain will go away. This need has bothered me. This me not being able to breathe properly, that'll pass. Sometimes that's what's going to kill you. So don't run away. Don't be afraid or ashamed or fearful of the news that you may receive. Now it's up to you to be able to fight, get a game plan together, and know what you're dealing with. But if you keep running like Forrest Gump, you'll never get to see what you're actually trying to face. And then you got to remember. It's staying still won't really help you too much easy either because you cannot heal in the same space that you got sick in. You need to be in a different environment to heal. When you go to a hospital and if they're honest with you, and I've been in the hospital before, they tell you, you don't get well here in the hospital. We deal with fixing whatever the issue is. We let you recover but your healing will take place elsewhere. They just get you prepared to go elsewhere where now you still have to face the reality of whatever it is you're dealing with, but you're no longer running because you're in a position of vulnerability. You know, they have made you vulnerable to whatever ails you. They have worked on it, but now it's up to you to rebuild yourself. Think about this. Why do people seem to get ill in a hospital? They had the issue fixed. They had the heart surgery, had the lung surgery. They got whatever needs to be done, but they've lost weight, this, that, and the other while they're there. It's because it's not a healing environment. Your healing environment is where you feel loved, where you feel protected, where you feel like you can be nurtured. That could be home. That could be in somebody else's care, but it's not going to be in the care of strangers who are waking you up two, three, four o'clock in the morning to get blood, et cetera. But you just have to be able to learn. We all should learn that we have got to not run. We cannot run just because we feel 
powerless against a situation. We have to face it head on. And the strength that comes with facing things head on, it is beyond this world. It's beyond any drug that you will ever take. It is beyond any medicine. It is beyond any feeling. To be able to face a fear, conquer a fear, get by a fear, and know that it's for your embedment is one of the greatest things that you could ever do. Don't teach your kids to run away from issues. I mean, sure, we have a flight and flight or flight or fight mechanism built in us. And there are certain situations where I'm sure if a gun is pulled and you're unarmed, it's better to get in the wind. I'm not saying anything stupid like that. I'm not saying to stand there and fight a battle that you cannot win when it's best that you just put your two legs on the ground rapidly and move in a direction, which is called running. I'm just saying don't run from things. If you are in a bad relationship, you can't just run from it. You got to face it. You got to deal with it and see how you resolve this. If you dissolve it or if you decide to fight and keep this thing going, you have a scale. Balance out your scale. Put things properly on both ends of the scale and do it honestly. See, a part of running away from a deal is wanting to not be honest with the subject matter at hand. And that's basically all I wanted to say. And now we're going to move on to the regular portion of the show. But remember, once again, you do not heal from running away from any issue. It will still be there. It will be like your shadow. It will trail you everywhere you go. Just because you run doesn't mean it can't pick up speed to chase you. So in Las Vegas this week, we had eight people stabbed, including four showgirls. It was an unprovoked attack. Two of the showgirls were stabbed. Now, I think these were legitimate showgirls from maybe a show in Vegas. If you've been to Vegas, you've seen the fake showgirls who take pictures with guys on the strip all the time. Now, how a situation like this even happened, I do not know. There are cops positioned everywhere, especially over that Palazzo Wynn area. There's usually some cops tucked in between there and Venetian. But I had did a show maybe a month ago when I came back from Vegas about some of the things that I thought had to be handled on the Vegas Strip and uh, people being out of their minds homeless and drug addicts was one of those issues so i won't go into that again if you want to hear what i said just go back to my vegas show it was only about four or five episodes ago and i did a synopsis of what i thought and i'm not going to repeat it now so kanye west gets himself and candace owens to wear the white lives matter t-shirt now we have to remember who kanye west is this is the same man who said slavery was a choice. Same man who blamed Kim for mistreating his black children. The same man who said that Bush hates black people. So we can't take anything that Kanye West says with more than a grain of salt. Kanye West is definitely, definitely struggling. I don't know him personally, but he seems to have these meltdowns publicly every few months. And I, as a human being, Feel for the human inside Kanye West. Not for this caricature that wants to get attention at every turn. And sure, let me state something for the record. Every single life matters if you believe in a God. A God of any form. Every single human 
the being's life matters. But this is beyond that. To say white lives matter is making a statement that a black man should not be making. Especially since this stems from, forget the BLM Black Lives Matter movement. Black Lives Matter, the statement itself, was a statement that was saying, we have to start putting value on black lives in this world. Not that white lives didn't matter or they have no value. That's bullshit. Or I don't give a damn if you're Asian, gay, short, fat, skinny, tall, from the Middle East or from the moon. If you're a human being, your life matters. But you do not devalue the fact that black lives matters. And this is where it comes from. Every time something starts in a black voice, the narrative of that voice starts to change. Sometimes it changes very rapidly. Sometimes it changes very slowly. But it usually changes and it starts going left. I mean, this is a man who sat down called Trump his boy. He sat down with uh, Tucker Carlson. This dude is just there to cause riff. He's there to cause dissension. He's not there for any kind of peace. He's not there for any kind of love. He's not there to share knowledge or to uplift anybody. And so we have to pay a little less attention to him. But, you know, it is what it is. And this is the world we live in. And there's going to always be Candace Owens. There's always going to be Kanye West. Who says at the end of the day they even believe what they say, but it's profitable to say the things they say. Because there are a lot of people on YouTube and blogs and podcasts who say outlandish things like Candace, and it pays them well to do it. When you are the opposite, or you go against your own people, you can make a lot of money. Could you imagine anti-Hispanic, Hispanic, that person for some people would be the most popular Hispanic there is. And they would make tons of money because he's actually spewing the hate that they might not be able to do, but he can get away with it because he falls in that group. Or the anti-gay gay person. You, you get my drift. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They've been around forever. So I watched a little TV, not a ton of TV. So we're not going to really go through a lot of TV. I did watch the first show of Saturday Night Live last week. I didn't watch this week's episode. But I thought for all the brand new cast members, it was a pretty good show. Uh, it looked like they had some ground to work with. I thought Kendrick Lamar was all right. So you know what? To lose seven cast members and come back and still have a fairly decent show, I say uh, I tip my hat to them. Now, the House of Dragons, this show isn't crazy. It ain't Game of Thrones, people, and I'm not going to put it on the level of Game of Thrones. Maybe as we get to the war scenes, we will start pumping it up. But the dialogue is not as good as Game of Thrones. The action might top it at some point, but I don't see any reason to believe that the dialogue will ever catch up to what Game of Thrones was doing. But let's just look at some things that happened last week on the show. Renea married her uncle, Damon. So this is her second marriage. Damon's wife died due to dragon fire. Their kids fought. Amon lost his eye, but he gained the dragon Vega, 
who is now with the green team. So we had the black clean black team, and we now have the green team. That has been established. Lenore, who was Renea's first husband, I love the way they did that. He escaped. He escaped with his lover. They made it seem like he died a brutal, horrible death, but he actually got to get away. He takes some money with him, and he gets to go live his life. He did his part. He was valiant in his efforts to be a man to this woman, at least a beard, and never tried to do his best to embarrass her publicly by outing her. But everybody knew who he was and what he was, and he could never turn away from that. And uh, I, you know what? I'm going to tip my hat to the writers that didn't make it make him come see, come saw. You know, like he was strong on what he was and he stayed what he was. He never betrayed this woman. I mean, that's a beautiful thing in this day and time. I watched the very first two episodes of The Walking Dead. It looks like we're going to go action packed to the very end. Uh, Lance is a piece of garbage, but Sebastian finally paid for his sins. Uh, I would like to see the Commonwealth fall. And I guess we're at that point where the Commonwealth falls. But for the 900th time on The Walking Dead, as soon as they get free from a situation, everybody branches off and starts going in 9,000 different directions. Why these people would leave some of the children there when Lance is still very much alive and very snaky, I don't understand. And I'm sure that's going to come into play down the line. WWE had their Extreme Rules pay-per-view yesterday well let's say saturday right and i'm gonna break down some things on the show that i thought were pretty damn good the brawling brutes versus imperium was outstanding it was also outstanding that they allowed sheamus to actually finally get some kind of victory against gunther and imperium i mean he is a hard worker i really like the worry he works he works stiff it's only brutal. He's not going to be doing a lot of fancy, dancey moves. He's going to be old school wrestling. And him and uh, Gunther are beautiful together. It's a beautiful story that they tell of these two big men who just battle it out. Ronda Rousey defeated Liv Morgan by putting her to sleep. And you know what? It was some beautiful acting going on there because Liv Morgan... As she was going to sleep, it was like she was hearing a beautiful bedtime story. She actually smiled as she passed out. I thought that was a nice little bit of a way to sell the, to sell the ending. Uh, they had a good battle. They didn't make Liv just a pushover, which I thought Liv probably should appreciate. I mean, I don't know where to go with her from here. I don't, Rhonda is definitely the heel in this situation. Liv is still a baby face, but she went out gallantly. Cross defeated McIntyre via pinfall. His wife Scarlet pepper sprayed uh, Drew, and that allowed Cross to land his uh, blow and pin him for the victory. I'm sure this will go on for the next couple of months, these two guys. There's no need to put Karrion uh, Cross already in a title ticket not just yet, let him earn his spot up the ropes. Bianca Belair beat Bailey. Naturally, uh, damage control intervened. Bianca Belair had some huge spots in this match where she did some power moves that were crazy. 
and she defeated Bailey to retain the title. And matter of fact, in the Brolin Brutes match, uh, the big built dude that's on uh, Sheamus' team, he actually had two of these guys on his shoulder. I thought that was amazing. We had Finn Balor versus Edge. Finn Balor made Edge quit because Beth Phoenix got involved. And they were going to hurt Beth Phoenix if he did not quit. So this forced him to quit. And also, finally, Nicholas has placed hands on his father, Rey Mysterio. So it is now a physical confrontation between father and son. But Beth Phoenix wound up getting the concerto anyway. No matter that Edge quit to save her from the concerto, she received one anyway. And I thought that was well-written. Now we see where we go from here. Riddle defeated Rollins, Steph freaking Rollins, by submission inside the pit, fight pit, or whatever they want to call it. I thought that was a pretty good match. I loved the way Daniel Cormier uh, was a bully in there as a referee. We don't usually see referees as the bully. I mean, him saying stuff like, don't you ever put your hands on me again, fight each other, blah, blah, blah. Uh which led at the end of this match, the lights dim out. The show is over. I feel bad for the people that was actually hitting the door. Bray Wyatt returned. And he returned to one of the biggest pops that I ever heard from a WWE crowd. And I've been to WrestleManias. I've been to SummerSlams. I've been to, uh, you name it. I've been to all kinds of shows, house shows. I've been to huge paper events i've been to four wrestlemanias but when bray oh he's got the whole world in his hands hit that crowd in philadelphia lost their marbles uh i don't know if we can go further with bray afterwards this is a i believe they hit the summit with this this was a home run but how do you maintain that kind of energy what kind of angle do you put him in that he can maintain the kind of energy that that crowd had. Now, naturally, when he shows up on a Monday or Friday, that crowd initially is going to go apeshit, but it's what he does in the ring and what he does on that mic. Uh, I don't think that we need him to bring back that uh, crazy show that he was doing. I don't know what woman he gets involved. Maybe Liv goes over there. Uh, Alexa Bliss is not doing anything. Maybe she could rejoin him uh, in the fun house. But we will see. And Dexter Loomis once again put the Miz to sleep. It's time to reveal to the WWE universe what Dexter Loomis's deal is. Why is he stalking the Miz? What's their history? What is going on there? And it's time for him to not just be this crazy stalker, but he needs a story to go with why he's stalking. So on 10-4, Aaron Judge finally hit his 62nd home run. He is now the single season American League record home run season hitter. They gave him a day or so off. The Yankees will be in the playoffs. So congratulations to another Yankee because number one, number two, and number three of home runs in the American League are all New York Yankees. And that would be number one, Aaron Judge, number two, Roger Maris, number three, Babe Ruth. And I believe Babe Ruth also holds the record for number four. So the top four 
are all Yankees. Suck on that, Met fans. So here we got the postseason for Major League Baseball. It's going to be the Philadelphia Phillies versus the world champion Atlanta Braves. You got the San Diego Padres who took out the Mets in the wild card. They're playing the league-leading Dodgers, L.A. Dodgers. You got the Houston Astros who took out uh, – no, well, Houston Astros won the division. They're going to be going up against the Seattle Mariners who took out the Blue Jays. And my New York Yankees are going up against the Cleveland Guardians who took out the Tampa Bay Rays. They actually did us a favor. We had New York Yankees caught pure hell with the Tampa Bay Rays. They caught enough hell with Toronto Blue Jays, so it is nice to see those two go. So in my ALCS, American League Championship, I'm going to have the New York Yankees going up against the Houston Astros. And in the NLCS, I have the Dodgers going up against the Atlanta Braves. Okay, he's saying, okay, he's taking the front runners. Something freaky could happen, but I right now I am taking the four top teams to actually meet to see who's going to be in the World Series. And we'll talk about the World Series later on down the line, but not today. The UFC took the last two weeks off. They didn't want to go head-to-head with the NFL early games, which makes perfect sense. But they return on 10-15, and Alexa Grasso will be fighting. Viviana Arreo, Jonathan Martinez will be taking one of my favorites on, Club, Club Swanson. Neil Magny's going up against D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez. That should be interesting. And then the week after, November the 22nd, you're going to have UFC 280, Islam Masachev versus Charles Oliveira. Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. Beatrice Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley finally gets to fight somebody worth a damn. Sean Bradley's going to take on Bilal Muhammad. And Danelle Darius is taking a Martez Gourmont. So, and that's a pay-per-view, UFC 280. Uh, so that should be good, but that's two weeks down the line. So the NBA starts this season on 10-18. So we still have a week before the NBA season starts. But they had a little bit of drama leading up into the season. Uh, for some reason, they're asking LeBron James about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and LeBron James states that he has no relationship whatsoever with Jabbar. And the thing is, there are some people who are up in arms as though LeBron James should treat this man with any kind of dignity or respect when they don't know if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has ever treated LeBron James with any respect or any dignity or any decency when they have ran into each other. You know what? Kareem has been a curmudgeon even when he was young. He was a nasty individual to people, to media, and fans throughout his whole career. I don't know if he was uncomfortable with his height. I don't know if he was uncomfortable with running around with a name Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but yet he was into white women coming from a Muslim uh, world and coming from a pre, uh, a pre-civil pre rights era, trying to be a face of civil rights, but yet you have a white woman in your home, which is asinine. I mean, when we give Kareem all this credit for civil rights, why do we only see the one picture of him with Ali? Where's all the other pictures of him protesting in the street? Where's the other pictures of him doing anything? I mean, you know, 
I'm not I'm not a big LeBron James fan, but LeBron James has a school. He's sending kids to college. He's clothing kids. He's taking care of people in his neighborhood in Akron where he came from. I've never heard of the Kareem Abdul Jabbar Center for anything. I heard he had a big jazz collection at one time that was worth seven million dollars that burnt, but I didn't hear him doing anything community-wise. I lived in Dykeman Projects. He was from Dykeman Projects. Okay, they might name the basketball court after him, but there's no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, no Luau Center, Luau Center Center in Dykeman Projects. I'm going to tell you that for a fact. I lived in the same building Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came from. Not at the same time, because I'm nowhere near his age, but, you know, it wasn't like he uh, left some mark up there. Even as a professional athlete coming back years later, even going to Rutgers, do you think he would just go up the extra 55 blocks up to Dykeman and do something? No, I've never seen or heard of it. Then you had Draymond Green, who felt like he had to do a press conference Saturday because he punched Jordan Poole. Was it a bitch-ass move to punch Jordan Poole? Yes. But when you shove somebody in the chest, Jordan Poole, you got to think that a man, a man, not a male, a man is going to respond back to you physically in some kind of way. I'm not telling you what kind of way that be might be. For all men, it's not going to be the same. There's no 100% one way a man is going to react when he gets a two-handed shove in his chest. But if they had a good relationship before and shit happens, teammates fight. I played football. I watched teammates damn near kill each other in verbal, I mean, physical confrontations and didn't have each other's back on the field. And I've seen it multiple times, many, many times. I mean, I have witnessed this too many times in my life. I had a brawl between two, me, two teammates in my yard when I was living in Bed-Stuy. And these dudes were trying to knock the lights out of each other to the point where they were knocking uh, the brownstone, uh, the brownstone in front of my house. They were punching that. And two days later, they got into a confrontation with some other guys and damn near killed them. So, you know what? That's what teammates do from time to time. But it all is predicated on what kind of relationship you had before. If they were confrontational before, and this was just like the tip of the iceberg, maybe they will never blend. I mean, because there's a lot of people who say, I can't see them ever being teammates again. I don't have all the information to say that. But if they were good, I mean, really good before brothers don't fight, oh, are we going to live in that fantasy world? Two cousins never fight, brothers never fight, a father and a son has never fought on this planet and worked it out, you know. I'm not wishing for the best just for basketball's sake because I don't want the Golden State Warriors to be good. But as human beings, I'm wishing them the best. So yesterday we had a football game in London. And the New York Giants actually beat the Packers 27-22. The Giants came back from a double-digit halftime deficit. And believe it or not, the Giants are 4-1. Saquon Barkley looked good. I'm not going to give Daniel Jones a lot of credit, but Daniel Jones didn't make key errors. He did not turn the ball over. He played a sound, steady game, and the Giants' defense never bend, nor did they ever break. So, you know, good for the Giants. The Vikings beat the Bears 29-22. Justin Jefferson 
had a career-high 12 catches for 154 yards. Uh, Justin Fields is not ready yet, but he tried his best. But you know what? The Bears are not what I call a super talented team, so we'll see where they go from here. The Patriots beat the Lions, the lead scoring champion so far, Lions, 29 to zip. I did not see this coming. A rookie, Bailey Zappi, was making his first NFL start for the Patriots, and Ramondre Stevenson brushed for 20, brushed the ball 25 times for 161 yards. But I'm going to say, Savion Smith, the cornerback for the Lions, had a bad injury in the early beginning of the game where his father actually came down out of the stands and rode in the Amalan. And I don't know if the Lions ever physically, mentally, or emotionally recovered from that. And I think they were just out on the field in body alone. None of their spirit was there. Their physical form was on the field inside the uniforms, and they had nothing. They had nothing to give, and the Patriots took full advantage of that. The Bills beat the Steelers 38-3. to This game could have been a lot worse. I think that Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills kind of took their foot off the gas, but Josh Allen still finished this game with 424 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, this was a blowout from basically the beginning. Uh, Pittsburgh has nothing. Uh, this uh, Kenny Pinkett is not ready yet. Mike Tomlin's team stinks. He's going to definitely end up with his first losing record. I mean, I don't believe there's any way in the world he's going to change this 1-4 team into a winner at all, not even a 500 or near 500. They'd be lucky to win five games this year. And then we have to start thinking about Mike Tomlin and how he coaches a little bit. The Chargers beat the Browns 30-28. to and see, these are the type of games that really piss me off. The Browns rookie kicker, Cade York, he missed a 54-yarder with 11 seconds left, which would have gave the Browns the victory. These dudes bust their ass to get the ball down there just for these kickers to blow kicks. Austin Eckler had a great game. He ran for a career-high 173 yards and scored twice. The week before, he scored three times. But also, Jacoby Brissett, before the drive that led them down to field goal range, they were even closer in field goal range, but he threw an interception. Brissett is a good quarterback. He's an NFL-type quarterback, but he can't be making these mistakes that's going to cost his team. You know, Nick Chubb's out there running hard as hell on every play. Nick Chubb is like a running back from the 1950s in black and white. That's what I say about him every time I see him. You can imagine Nick Chubb playing in the heyday before we were born in black and white. And you say, look at that hard running, you know, SOB, because he seemed to play with his heart on his sleeve. And he, when you tackle him, you done met somebody in the hole. The Titans, I mean, the Texans beat the Jaguars 13 to six. This was the Texans first win of the season. They're one, three and one. So they covered all the bases. They got a win, some losses and a tie. And it's not much you could say about this game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't look particularly well. Texans played good defense. They picked him off while the Jaguars were trying to make a late drive. He's got to stop that, too. He's got to stop throwing the ball to the other team. 
The Saints beat the Seahawks 39-32. Taysom Hill ran for three touchdowns, including a 60-yarder in the fourth quarter. He threw for another score. This dude recovered a fumble on a kickoff. He was all over the place. He was definitely the play of the game. Now I'm going to say it's shocking. Geno Smith has been actually looking very good, and he looked good in this game again. So Geno Smith is actually solidifying himself as a legitimate NFL quarterback. Maybe not a long-term starting quarterback, but he's one of those guys, if your number one goes down, you can definitely plug him in and life will move on for you and your team. The Jets beat the Dolphins 40-17. to Teddy Bridgewater got injured early in the game, so they had to bring in this Bryce Hall. No, I am sorry. They brought in this other kid, to take over who was the third-string quarterback. Now, Bryce Hall plays for the New York Jets. Let me straighten that out. And he was the star of the game. He had he rushed for 97 yards and one touchdown. He also caught two passes for 100 yards. And this was the Jets' first win against an AFC East team in 13 tries. So they had been getting swept by everybody in their division for a solid, Four years. And so this is the first time the Jets had a victory. And you know what? Uh, this was a big one. You People probably had the Dolphins to win this, but they probably also thought that Teddy Bridgewater wouldn't get injured. And so the Jets handled their business, and they've now won back-to-back games. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers held on to beat the Falcons 21-15. Fournette had a decent game, and Brady is 11-0 versus the Falcons. So this is not shocking that the Buccaneers beat the Falcons, but they didn't look great. The Titans beat the Commanders 21-17. They got a pick late. That's what Carson Wentz does. You rolling to go down to get that touchdown to tie the game, and Carson Wentz will give it away. This was actually the Titans' third win in a row. And the 49ers beat the the Panthers 37-15. This was an easy victory. The Panthers have zero offense. Uh, Their quarterback situation is bad. There's nothing that they can do. Sam Donald's not good. Uh, Mr. Progressive is not good. I don't see what they're going to do. I mean, they're running McCafferty into the hole. The Eagles beat the Cardinals 20-17. to And once again, a field goal kicker misses a game-tying or a game-winning field goal late in the game. And this is ridiculous, man. The field goal kicking is at an all-time worst in the NFL. You got four or five really good kickers like Justin, uh, Justin Tucker, Graham Cano. But then you have guys like uh, Young Wei. And you have guys uh, like the dude who missed the kick uh, for, uh, what damn, Cade, Cade Young who missed the kick for the Browns. You got the guy for the Cardinals who misses the kick. It just happens way too much. It's too common in the NFL. These go, guys go out there and they bust their ass. They play hard. They leave it in the foot of a dude and he goes left. He goes right. He kicks short. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm sure they practice all week. 
my Dallas Cowboys beat the Rams. Suck on that, people who think the Cowboys was going to be shit. 22 to 10. The Dallas Cowboys defense dominated this matchup. Demarcus Lawrence picked up a fumble and returned to 19 yards for a touchdown. Uh, Cowboys defense had five sacks. Sure, Cooper Cup got his. Cooper Cup's going to get his on the moon, Mars, Jupiter, Venus, because Matthew Stratford is going to go out of his way to feed him. So, sure, he has Gordy numbers, but the Rams didn't score but one touchdown, and they lost. And then the Sunday night football game was the Bengals at Ravens. And Justin Tucker, who I just mentioned a minute ago, he was successful in kicking a 43-yard field goal on the final play to give the Ravens the victory. Neither offense was particularly good. Uh, the defense for the Ravens especially played a lot better, and I'm sure the Ravens were happy to get out of there with a victory. Now, Monday Night Football, we got the Raiders going into Kansas City to play the Chiefs. That's not going to be easy feat. It doesn't seem like the Raiders' offense is gelling just as yet, so I'm going to have to say that I'm going with the Chiefs to win this game at home. Now, let's look at some games coming up this week. You got the Washington, Washington Commanders. This is Thursday night. They're going to play the Bears. The Bears, oh, my goodness. This is such a hard game to pick. I guess I'm going to go with the Bears at home. Washington really sucks. And at least Justin Fields tries to get the ball down the field. I mean, he had some bad penalties yesterday where he had like a 60-some-yard touchdown run taken back because of offensive holding or bad block or something like that. So he does at least have wheels. Carson Wentz, I cannot trust him with anything. San Francisco 49ers is going into Atlanta. San Francisco is just a better team. The Patriots are going into Cleveland. I think Cleveland bounces back if Jacoby doesn't turn the ball over. The Jets are going into Green Bay. Is Green Bay going to get swept by New York? I doubt it very seriously, so I'm going to go with Green Bay. Jacksonville is going to Indianapolis. I'm taking the Colts to win this game. The Vikings are going into Minnesota. I don't even know who's going to be behind center for Minnesota, so I'm going to have to go with the Vikings in this game. The Bengals are going into Louisiana to play the Saints. I like the Bengals to bounce back with a victory over the Saints. But so many times that you can ride the uh, the Taysom Hill bus. I don't know if Jameis is going to be there. Michael Thomas never seems to want to play football anymore. You got the Ravens going into New York to play the Giants. Lamar Jackson is going to go crazy against the Giants to give the Ravens a victory. You got Tampa Bay going into Pittsburgh. Tom Brady is going to demolish Pittsburgh. The Panthers are going into the Rams. This is basically a bye week for the Rams. The Rams and Cooper Cup are going to kill them. The Cardinals are playing Seattle. This should be a good battle. I actually like Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to go into Seattle, but like I said earlier, Geno Smith is playing good football, so this should be a pretty good game. And you got the Bills going to KC. Now, that might be the game of the week. I don't know what this game is going to be, but I think it's going to be a 38-42 game. Who makes the big mistake loses. I, you know what? I'm on the fence about this one. I like the Bills because I just like them, but I respect Kansas City. But I think the Bills have more weapons, and I think that they always out for blood when they play Kansas City because they know that this is the team 
that they have to get by. Much like the Yankees know that they have to get by the Astros, the Bills know that they have to get by the Chiefs. So I'm going to take Buffalo. My Dallas Cowboys played a Sunday night game against the Eagles. Finally, we get to see Jalen Hurts play against the Cowboys defense. Uh, Michael Parsons versus Jalen Hurts. Do, do they allow him to run crazy? Uh, one thing everybody notices about Philly, Philly seems to score all their points in the second quarter. That's where they either beat you, break your back, or you survive that and you become in a dogfight. Now, I don't know if Dak Prescott will return, but Cooper Rush so far is 4-0. You know, eventually he's going to have to lose, and I'm hoping it's not Sunday night. So I'm going to go with my Dallas Cowboys. And you got the Denver Broncos at the L.A. Chargers. Russell Wilson went through some kind of procedure. I don't trust Denver, so I have to go with the Chargers and Herbert. Uh, uh, and Eckler at home, so I'm taking the Chargers in that game. Just try to remember, people, deal with whatever issues coming your way. It might not be pleasant. It might be something that's going to really fuck your world up. But running from it is just going to compound the interest of the pain because it's going to allow whatever that problem is to gain more momentum, to gain more strength. You can't run from disease. You can't run from illness. You can't run from addiction. These are things that have to be faced. They have to be faced head on. You have to come up with a game plan. You got to come up with a fight strategy. You got to come up with a plan to go to war. And you don't go to war by running. It just will continue to chase you. And actually, eventually, it will become faster than you. And before you know it, that thing would have circled from behind you and now facing you dead in your eye. And then what you're going to do? When it has all the strength and the power and it says, now take me on, it might be too late. So. Just put that bug in the air. And I'm going to tell you like I tell you each and every time, people, peace to you and peace to yours.